Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Well, let's get a little bit weird today. Yay! Are y'all ready for this? I have no mode that isn't weird, so let's just do it. Oh, shit. Okay. How come you're so good at that? That was, like, actually really good. Bird noises. I feel like when I try to make music, it never sounds anything like it. And that was actually pretty close. Thank you. I listened to Jock Jams quite a bit in my early teens <laughs> it paid off in a big way thank you <laughs> when you were doing the moves all i could think is maya he maya who maya ho, maya ho, ho. <laughs> all right we should probably get back to actually doing the story the whole thing cannot just be me not doing anything and listening to you guys sing because I can't do it. <laughs> That's what the whole episode would be. And then at the end, I'd be like, thanks for coming. <laughs> thanks for joining us today. This has been my contribution to the episode because <laughs> I am not I've been, talented. I've been rolling cutlery this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. All right, let's get this going. Now I got to get a big yawn. Yeah, hot weather yawns. That's like, it's tension. Tension yawns. Let's go. Got it. Okay. Work it out, champ. Work it out. I'll try to get my shoulders to crack. They won't go. (laughs) I love when you make that noise. It's so fucking funny. (laughs) I can't do it. It's like you go full turtle. Why can't I do it? I'm so sad. <laughs> you gotta throw the shoulders back and stick the chin out. <laughs> oh god, we're starting off strong today. We haven't even actually started this. I know thing. we've been doing this for 22 minutes, and we haven't right. recorded it. My face already hurts. Like I know. All right, I'm mm. good. Jaws okay. loose. Yeah, Let's go. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors, a bit weird, but it works. Today's special is Cryptids of Ireland. I'm your hostess, Emily, and with me are two of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Ashley and Lindsay. <laughs> okay, I messed up already. Hi. <laughs> I'm Lindsay. <laughs> you sure are. That's my name. And I'm here, but I'm just along for the ride. Hey, ladies, are you ready for this? Always. <laughs> Don't start it. You'll lose it again. I can't do this. Basketball song. <laughs> The only thing I know about basketball is Space Jam. <laughs> Did you see there's going to be a Space Jam 2 coming out? 
Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, I want to be excited, but maybe it'll be garbage, and then I'll be sad. My, the sky's just freaking opened up. I turn and I look, and the the whole window's like, God of Thunder, is that you? (laughs) Thor? Oh my god, Um, if it's Thor, can you please come over here, because you are (laughs) fine. (laughs) (laughs) That might be in uh, next month's special. It will be. It will be. <laughs> so, okay, so in doing this research for the lovely and mystical Emerald Isle, I found that there are a lot of connections between Ireland and Norway because of the Vikings and stuff. So yeah. a bunch mm-hmm. of stories trans- transferred back and forth. So there's like Irish stuff in Norway and Norse stuff in Ireland. And it's kind of cool. I was like, well, hey, we just happened to pick those two back to back. That worked out really well. Some good crossover cross-pollination if you will busy bees those vikings (laughs) causing trouble everywhere (laughs) all right all right (laughs) okay so this week i will be serving up one family style meal straight from the mystical emerald isle Uh, So I'm going to be saving my ingredients list for the end because there are a freaking lot of them. So instead, we're just going to dig right in. I hope everybody's a little hungry and prepared for this. So the Ireland... The Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) The Ireland. (laughs) That there island over there. (laughs) The island of Ireland. (laughs) The island of Ireland. I don't like that sentence. That's a bad sentence. Why did I write that? So that big place over there called Ireland... Formed by the collision of two continents, Laurentia and Gondwana, oh my god, (laughs) approximately 470 million years ago. And it now has an area of 32,595 square miles, or 84,421 square kilometers, which is about the size as South, uh, the same size as South Carolina. Mm. Did either of you happen to know that that's how small Ireland is? No. I knew it wasn't big, but I didn't try to measure it in South Carolinas. I do this weird thing where I'm like, <laughs> what state can I compare that to? And the closest I could find, and I went through a freaking list, was South Carolina. And I was surprised because I, I thought that it was bigger than that. But So just for comparison to some of the other regions that we've covered and one of their closest neighbors, Italy has an area of approximately 116,000 square miles. Japan is about 146,000 square miles, and Great Britain is approximately 94,000 square miles. So, Hmm. and then Ireland's only a little less than 33, so it's definitely small. So I think maps kind of distort that size a a little bit. But it's mighty. It's a mighty mighty nation. It is is mighty. And as Ashley told us, nobody ever conquered that itty-bitty little island over there. No, they didn't because they're tough as nails. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you, Irish. (laughs) Way to go. There's a reason there's so many fighting Irish mascots. Yeah, get out of here, you Anglo-Saxons. We didn't invite you. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) I feel like that's really accurate. (laughs) The land which is home to lakes, bogs, mountain ranges, and of course miles and miles of coastline was estimated to have been settled by man around 9,000 years ago shortly after the end of the last major ice age, which I think we said Chile was estimated to be like 18,000 years ago or something. No. Was that Australia? One of them was a really long, long time ago. I think it was Australia. I think it was Australia. Australia. So at this time, much of the country was also covered in thick forests and inhabited by impressive beasts such as the great auk, which looks like a giant penguin and may have potentially inspired the the boobry from Scotland. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Show me your boobries. (laughs) Show me your boobries. (laughs) Nobody ever bought that. I was disappointed. That was some good merch. (laughs) Such a great idea. They had large wildcats and the Irish elk, which was the largest deer to ever live and had antlers that spanned up to 12 feet wide or 3.6 meters. So that was a big Holy crap. That is a giant deer. How do you even sleep with that attached to your head? (laughs) <laughs> well, imagine how huge how the head must be. How are you going to put your be. head down? Like, what do you... 
Oh my god, I have so many follow-up questions. I, I feel like they just walk into a tree that had two parallel branches and That's just kind of what I was thinking. They just like parallel park their antlers. <laughs> no, they have horns. And then they just and then they just hang there. <laughs> this is nice. God, I have such a crick in my neck. So relaxing. Or they just go in a giant circle and prop each other up. Like Legos. <laughs> Yeah, but then if somebody has a nightmare, it's going to be dominoes. <laughs> That's why they don't exist anymore. The domino <laughs> effects. This has gotten weird very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I have one more important creature to talk about so we can bring it back to this guy. Awesome. But arguably one of the most important and influential animals present when man first arrived was the gray wolf. There were so many wolves in Ireland, in fact, that it was sometimes referred to as Wolfland by English and Scottish settlers when they arrived later in its history. Shakespeare even mentioned it in As You Like It when Rosalind says to Orlando, Pray no more of this, tis like the howling of Irish wolves against the moon. Ow-woo! Are you werewolves of Londoning? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Werewolves of London. <laughs> oh. I know that one. <laughs> there, see? That's what I thought she was doing. So I was just contributing to it. Oh, no. I just wanted to do a wolf noise for funsies, but it went somewhere cool. Yeah. <laughs> Goes back to me and my love of werewolves. Oh, well, then you're going to love this episode. <gasps> oh, my so God. Ah. <sighs> so let, for let, it. But let's, let's, get, let's get a little more background here. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Just... Sorry. I'll, I'll settle down. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a hard time containing myself. (laughs) So the the Irish wolf, the gray wolf, not the Irish wolf, that's dumb. The gray wolf (laughs) played an integral role in the stories and mythology of the ancient people and was certainly like a really big, great cultural significance for them. So much so that there were several words for the creature. The most common Gaelic word that I saw was Machira, which means son of the countryside, according to irishcentral.com. But there were several others, and that was the one that I was going to... I mean, that was the most common, and I didn't want to try. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to attempt words. any more Gaelic. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much else in here. I was like, one's good. <laughs> I like that. That's very pretty. Here's Machira. the thing. We don't want to upset PETA, so we can't just be butchering words all day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're so proud of that one. <laughs> I'm just what kidding. We do here. That's what we do here. There would be no show. <laughs> According to the IrishTimes.com, parts of wolves were even considered important as medicine to cure nightmares or prevent people from seeing ghosts. So they did. They did butcher those wolves. <laughs> oh, For science. <laughs> For science. Don't come at me. I think animal torture is wrong. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was just a joke. Whoops. All that changed when foreign settlers started to complain about wolves attacking their livestock, though. So during the regime of Oliver Cromwell, the Cromwellian government in Ireland enacted a law and placed bounties on wolves during the mid-1600s, and the animals were eventually hunted to extinction in Ireland. Sadly, the last known wild wolf was killed in 1786. Though, during my research, I did see recent calls by the Green Party of Ireland to reintroduce gray wolves to the country, so I don't know how that one's going to go. Reintroduction's always a challenge because Ireland used to be way more forested than it is now, so they might not even have the habitat to support something like that, but I thought that was kind of cool. I'm not sure how the people of Ireland feel about yeah. that. We reintroduced gray wolves in Minnesota recently because they were almost hunted out of extinction. I think it's helping the ecosystem... It's all fine until they get out of the area where they're supposed to be. And then people are like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whose great idea was this again? Lock the doors, children. Everyone's like, no thanks. (laughs) We good. We good. Oh, okay. So I said, but what the heck could all of this have to do with today's family style one course special? I kind of already spilled the beans on it, though. It is likely this close relationship the people of Ireland held with wolves that led to the birth of the Irish werewolf. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. 
I was excited about this. I was like, cool, we haven't done any werewolves yet. Totally doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you missed her seated Rain Man dance that she just did right now. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Is that a rain man dance? <laughs> like run, a running man. Running man. She did running man. <laughs> it's like I didn't know rain man did a dance like that. Based on what I was reading, there appear to be two different kinds of werewolves in Ireland. One, the more ancient kind, appears to resemble other European werewolves being a little more cruel and potentially an ill omen, while the other is seen more as a guardian that protects the lost and the weak, such as children or people who have been wounded. So that's definitely a more modern interpretation of the werewolf in Ireland. I like that one. I'm I'm picturing the second one as like one of those like St. Bernard's. He's got like a beer barrel around his neck. He just comes (laughs) down the mountain and he's like, hi, drink some of this. I'm going to take you over here now. What is that voice? <laughs> That's my talking werewolf voice. <laughs> oh my god. Do, do, do. I don't even know what to do with that voice. I actually doing side eyes so hard right now. <laughs> I am mentally broken. <laughs> I need some of that beer barrel, please. <laughs> so I think the easiest way to serve this dish is to split it between the two types. The good the kind of like the more ancient angry werewolves and the more modern they're so helpful and sweet werewolves so let's start with the darker side of the irish werewolves yay that's that's the fun stuff mm-hmm. a treatise known as corda anman which was written in gaelic in the late medieval period between 1250 and 1500 was essentially a book that gave the meaning and origin of names or epithets so, if you don't know what a treatise is, it's basically just a, a document that's methodically or systematically explaining a subject. Because I actually didn't know what that uh, what a treatise was specifically, so I had to look that one up. I also did not know what that was, so thank you. I mean, I'd heard the word before, but I didn't know what it really meant. I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> Entry number 215 in the original version of this book was for Lainoc Fuela from the Kingdom of Asrega, which is today most of country, country, county Kilkenny and part of County Leash. He was either the first king of Asrega or the brother of the first king. Sources kind of disagreed on this particular aspect. And from what I could tell, it, at least in the translations from the old translations from the Gaelic to the English, the sources vary. So I don't know who's putting in their own version of what in there. Mm. And I don't read Gaelic, so I can't say. So, just as a side note, Osrega was anglicized to Osri, which is what it is more commonly known as these days. So, that is the name I'm going to use going forward because Osrega is hard to say over and over. And it's not spelled like it sounds. So, Linoc, this king or prince, was a shapeshifter and believed to be the first werewolf in the kingdom. Yay! All of his children and even the rest of the people of Osri all became shapeshifters like him. I couldn't find out how. He became a shapeshifter, like what happened or like how it might have been transmitted to others. But I did see that druids were thought to practice shapeshifting. So there's some there were some speculation that maybe he was a druid of some kind. But I really don't think that this makes sense because Linoc was supposed to be this famous, fearsome warrior and druids were not famous, fearsome warriors. So he really doesn't fit the bill of a druid. Maybe he was cursed. Maybe the druids cursed him. Maybe. All the shapeshifters of Osiri had the ability to shift at will and would often change into wolf form to savagely raid nearby enemy villages. You know. As you do. Well, you know, it's that or a block party and nobody feels like like cooking, so. (laughs) Like, family game night, go raid a village, what are we going to do? I don't know. You can only play Monopoly so many times. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, if you play Monopoly, you end up uh, attacking each other. So maybe one <laughs> maybe it's one thing it. leads to another and somebody should stop stealing money from the bank. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Were you stealing the money from the bank, Ashley? No. Although I do get real pissed when I lose at Monopoly. <laughs> So the werewolves, they were known to be especially brutal and would devour both cattle and people. They had, they were not picky in what they were eating. And it may not come as a surprise then to learn that they were reported to be worshippers of the god known as Kram Kruak, the bent one of the hill. So a little bit of this might kind of 
tick back to what Ashley talked about last week, but we're going to reiterate. So maybe if you didn't listen to it and you want to get more details, go check out her episode. It was really freaking good and a little dark, but awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm going to be pronouncing it the same way that you are, but I'm going to try. Well, you might be right and I might be wrong. I listened to that audio like 8,000 times and I was like, this is the closest I can get to that sound. I am sorry. <laughs> this is what my mouth is going to this do with this This is what my sound. vocal cords can do. <laughs> Krom Kruak was definitely a god to be feared. He had nicknames such as Crouching Darkness, Bowed God of the Mounds, and Bent One of Many Dooms were some of the ones that I found. And so trigger warning, this next part is about to get pretty messed up. In ancient times, long before Linoc, it was demanded that the firstborn child of each family and herd be sacrificed to the god by smashing their heads on his idol. The Book of Invasions, which was written during the Middle Ages, said that this tradition of sacrifice continued in one Irish village every Samhain. So this is the god that the wolfmen of Ossery were said to have worshipped. It was said that when an Ossarian would go a-wolfing, they leave their human body behind at home and it would look like the person had died if someone were to just walk in on it, which would be gross. But I guess that's better than like shapeshifters and supernatural where they kind of like <laughs> leave the skin behind. Ashley. <laughs> 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 I remember what it looked like and it's not good. No, it's gross. I thought it was interesting when they say to go a wolfing. Did you know that to go, like, the the word Viking actually means that was what they would do? They would go a Viking? They didn't call mm. themselves Vikings? It's interesting, but, you know, given how much we just decide what we're going to call stuff that we don't That's have true. anything to do with. <laughs> uh, that actually, so a wolfing kind of sounds like the concept of warging from Game of Thrones. So that's kind of cool. Hmm. The other people of Osiri knew not to touch or move the body of someone who had transformed because then their spirit might not be able to find its way back to the body and they'd be stuck as wolves forever. So you transform into this wolf, you're going to go do a thing, you leave your body behind, but you're a wolf. I don't know if it's like astral projection almost. Mm. If you were to come across the wolf man in his animal form, this would apparently startle him and cause him to run home and return to his human form. And I thought this was really interesting because they're supposed to be this super bloodthirsty. So you'd figure that if somebody walked up on them, they'd just be like, oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, apparently not. They're like, oh, no. Oh, you got me without my skin on. Oh, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't look. No, no. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> they're like, no, don't look at me. But, okay, so if you were to go and find the human form of this particular wolfman and you examined him a bit, so, like, he's back in his body, you'd notice that although he'd play really innocent, he'd have signs of the carnage on his person. So you'd see things like tufts of fur, he might have some scratches, there could be some blood stains, or, really gross, he might even still have some flesh in his teeth. So I really want to know, like, if it's out there in a whole separate form, how is that flesh coming back and... Like, is, is it an amalgamation? What's happening here? How does this work? Maybe it's kind of like when Slimer goes through somebody. Ew. <laughs> but like, you know how like the slime gets left behind? So the maybe the so, flesh get left behind. Yeah, whatever was on it just gets left behind when it joins the with its physical body again. That'd be pretty gross. So all of this suggested to me that one of two things was occurring in the transformation. Either the person physically splits into two when they transform and then they kind of like amalgamate when they get transformed back so they kind of smoosh together. Or the animal form is actually a tangible spirit that dissociates from the body at will. They don't really tell you this is just kind of the stuff that I'm picking up on from this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The wolfmen were known far and wide as fearsome warriors, so they were often in demand by other kings as mercenaries. But the price to hire them was very steep. And this is another trigger warning, because the next part is pretty fucking seriously messed up. So, heads up. The price to hire the wolfmen wasn't money. Instead, they demanded newborn babies. It was said that if the king would pay this high price, the warriors would fall upon the baby like ravenous wolves, tearing apart the body and devouring it raw. 
Yeah. Emerald Isle states, Old stories suggest that the famous Irish wolfhound, the largest domestic dog, which is now commonly believed to have been bred to fight off or defend against wolves, may instead have actually been bred to fight these wolfmen. Which oh, I, thought was like I love them. They're so cute, Irish wolfhounds. They're beautiful. They're so friendly. They are. The legend of Lynock and the shapeshifters became so ingrained in the region that the wolf's head banner came to represent old ossery. So you can still look this up. You can see the old wolf's head banner. It's pretty cool. Hmm. We're going to take a quick coffee break. Keep nibbling on those delicious carnivorous morsels. Mmm, <laughs> baby. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face to face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints. Wherever you get your podcasts. I'm not scared. Are you? Feeling recharged and ready to dig back into this meal. Are you ready for some more? Yes. Interestingly, (laughs) there it is again. There is an old Norse text from around 1250 that has a chapter about the werewolves of Ireland. So clearly rumor had reached other countries. Like this was a, a pretty widely known rumor. This text, which is known as Kunung Skugsha, or the King's Mirror, is essentially written as a discussion between a king and his son, whom he is trying to teach about politics and the world. In chapter 11, entitled Irish Marvels, which have miraculous origins, the king tells his son that there are a clan of people who were cursed by St. Patrick. So it specifically says St. Patrick, and we'll come back to this a little bit later. It says that St. Patrick had been traveling around Ireland and basically shoving his beliefs down the throats of the native people. And when he encountered this clan, however, they were so stubbornly opposed to him that whenever he would try to preach, they would insult both God and St. Patrick by howling like wolves. That's Ow. awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this just royally pissed off this holy man. So he then goes and he prays to God to punish them with some affliction. That would also affect their posterity. So he's like, I'm not just going to fuck you guys up. I'm going to fuck up everybody who follows. (laughs) Oh, my God. For God. Yeah. (laughs) So basically, he asked God to curse them. Well, super holy. You know how touchy people are when you don't believe in the same uh, imaginary friend that they do. So, well, I'm thinking like you're St. Patrick. What a good Christian guy you are. Because isn't the saying, turn the other cheek? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's the New Testament. Although I find that a lot of people forget about that. And all they want to do is be like, I'm a Christian, so it's an eye for an eye and I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, uh, actually, that's the Old Testament. Jesus showed up in the New Testament and he <laughs> yeah. is the Christ from Christian. But mm-hmm. what do I know? I'm mm-hmm. just a heathen. Yep. Right. So apparently his prayers worked because all of the members of the clan were turned into wolves. Except they weren't just wolves. Once every seven winters, they would change into wolves and were forced to live as such. So they were stuck living as wolves. But they were fully coherent the entire time. So they still have their human brain in their wolf body. So they'd hunt beast and man alike, knowing full well the terrible nature of what they're doing. So they're killing people... At, with that human brain, brain, brain. I have one. <laughs> it, don't, it don't work no more, but I have one. They do this knowing what they were doing, and that kind of sucks. So some were forced to live that way for seven straight winters, but if this happened, they would live out the rest of their lives as humans. It was kind of weird. So it was like some of them would get cursed every seven years, or some of them would live seven straight winters like that. That's weird. This Norse description of the Irish werewolves may have been inspired by both the story of Lynock and an 11th century Latin poem, which has been attributed to Patricius, a different Patrick, not St. Patrick. (laughs) According to medievalists.com, the verse was translated as follows by 
Elizabeth Boyle in her book, Authorities and Adaptations, Reworking and Transmission of Textual Sources in Medieval Ireland. I couldn't gain access to like the actual book, so I'm just kind of taking the website's word for it. Mm-hmm. The translation reads, quote, There are some men of the Irish race who have this wondrous nature from ancestry and birth. Whensoever they will, they can speedily turn themselves into the form of wolves and rend flesh with wicked teeth. Often they are seen slaying sheep that moan in pain, but when men raise the hue and cry or scare them with staves and swords, they take flight like true wolves. But whilst they act thus, they leave their true, their their bodies, (laughs) If any man harm them or wound pierce their flesh, the wounds can be seen plainly in their own bodies. Thus their companions can see the raw flesh in their jaws of their true body, and we all wonder at the sight. End quote. I hate old poems. It's not a poem. I can't follow that. (laughs) I'm sorry. Ashley's like, I love this shit. I love that (laughs) shit. I love Shakespeare. Woo! Yeah. Like, that's not a poem, man. Poems rhyme, or at least they have some kind of rhythm to them. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Maybe in Latin it did. Doesn't in English. Some sort of stanza of some sort. Yeah, like, so, come, give me some kind of rhythm. The idea that the Norse found inspiration in these older accounts and rumors may hold some weight, but personally, I think their version sounds a lot different from The Legend of Lynoch, uh, which is what likely inspired the Latin poem, since those two stories share quite a few similarities. If you remember, like, Lynoch, the bodies, they would go back to the bodies and there would still be pieces there. But what's going on with St. Patrick and these cursed wolves and every seven years sounds different. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't really think that, that the poem and Lynoch necessarily directly inspired what was going on with the Norse. I think that they kind of were retelling a version of the story that they'd heard and it was kind of like their own way of telling it maybe to demonstrate the power of the church Mm -hmm. because there's a whole lot of religious aspect to it especially since it's this idea of the king telling teaching his son certain uh, politics and learn about the world okay right Mm -hmm. well that wraps up the darker side of the Irish werewolves let's move on to a lighter side ish In the late 12th century, so that's 1100s, there was an archdeacon from Wales named Geraldus Cambrensis, or more simply called Gerald of Wales. Aww. Hey, Gerald. Hey, Gerald. Jerry, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) What's shaking, Jerry? In the 1180s, he took a trip to Ireland at the behest of King Henry II, where he traveled the countryside and documented its landscape as well as stories from its people. One such story he relays just happened to be some Osarian werewolves. So he tells of a priest and young boy who were traveling in the woods between Ulster and Meath. It's spelled Meath, but I think it's pronounced Meath, when they had to stop for the night and rest. They made a fire and settled in for the night, but as they were sitting there, just kind of looking at the fire and chilling, a wolf walked into their circle and spoke to them. This wolf walks in and is like, chill, chill, it's cool. Don't be afraid. (laughs) chill simmer down that's cool (laughs) and the priest is like (laughs) naturally freaks out and goes by god don't hurt us also can you please tell me how you look like a wolf but speak like a man because i'm a little confused right now (laughs) that's a fair question yep and then then the the wolf then kind of starts talking and it's a whole bunch of religiously religiously catholic words and he's like mary and jesus and god and the church and But it made sense to the priest. It didn't make sense to me, but it made sense to the priest. And then he says, There are two of us from Ossery, a man and a woman, that carry the curse of Natalis. That dick. How dare you, sir? He cursed us to become wolves and live in the woods every seven years. And if we can survive our time, then we can return to our human form. But two others will take our places. My wolfie gal is really sick and she probably ain't gonna make it, father. I came to beg you to give her her last rite so she can die as a good Catholic. That wolf became a hillbilly. (laughs) He did. (laughs) I'm sorry, Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) Being a better guy than Natalis, obviously was, uh, the priest follows the wolf to where he said his gal pal was. And sure enough, there she was. She was laying there dying, but asking the priest to treat her as any other dying Catholic. To convince the priest that she was in fact human and not a trick, 
The male wolf then did something that's super gross, and I remember this, I don't even have to read it like I know it's gross. He used his claws to slice through her skin and peeled it back from her head to her navel, revealing her to be an old woman underneath. Ugh. Right? <laughs> like in Little Red Riding Hood? Like she was the wolf that ate grandma? <laughs> the priest, then probably mouth barfing, did as he was asked. <laughs> and when he was done, the male wolf basically zipped her back up and she passed away. <laughs> I was like, how does this work? Just, I'm just going to put this back <laughs> like, here. Pat that down. I don't even understand. Okay. Hold on a second. Because <laughs> this is bigger than the whole, like, unzipping a wolf and then zipping the wolf back up. I just want to know, like, why was anything else necessary to prove this wasn't a trick? There's a fucking wolf speaking English or speaking to you in a language you understand. Why would you need any more proof? It could be a demon. So what? If you accidentally bless a demon, do you get, like, burned at the stake automatically? <laughs> wouldn't, you wouldn't you think that if you blessed a demon that that would, like, doom the demon to heaven? And it's gonna be like, no! I don't know, but I'm just very confused why you would need additional proof. And then also, why would you need to... It had to hurt to, like, cut her open, right? Like, she's already dying! Stop! Like, if you can do that, why not just do that to begin with? Logic me why you're wearing this if you can just peel it off. So basically, a werewolf is a Russian nesting doll situation where the Ew. inside is the person and the outside is a wolf. And you can just unzip it whenever you want. <laughs> that is horrifying. But yes, I think that's a little accurate. Well it. <laughs> so she dead, right? Mm-hmm. After all of this, after she passes away, the male then goes back with the priest to keep him and the boy company for the night. And then he led them out of the woods the next day because he's a super nice wolf guy. You know, he might be killing people, but he's just doing it because he's cursed, you know. He's there. He wants to be a good guy. So in parting, the wolf said to the priest that the people of Ireland had been so depraved that God had given the land to their enemies, who were better Christians. But if the invaders ever started to behave as the native Irish had, then they too would be cursed. And so what I got from this account was that this was a whole bunch of Catholic propaganda mm -hmm. to send back home and tell the king how terrible the Irish were and how much they really needed God. Because remember that this was from a Catholic priest that went over to Ireland to collect stories. And this is what he's claiming he's hearing from the people of Ireland. I wish the Catholic Church had a face because I would punch it. Right? Like, <laughs> fuck you, man. You need Ugh. to go around talking about other people and saying that they're depraved just because they don't want to do however many Hail Marys you expect. Knock it off. Mm hmm But I can say that at least in this version, the werewolves weren't cruel or vicious. They were just people in another form who had been cursed. And they, they wanted to be people just like anybody else. They just wanted to be human again. Yeah. And also, in this story, it's Natalis that curses the people of Ossory, not St. Patrick. And the potential reason for this switcheroo in the Norse version is that Natalis was a monk that was more locally recognizable, whereas St. Patrick was more widely known. So they just picked a name that everybody would be like, oh, I know who that guy is. <laughs> so I literally wrote, so they probably just switched it to St. Patrick, so people wouldn't be like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> In terms of sightings outside of the late Middle Ages, I really don't have many. There was one reported sighting in 1913 by two boys who claimed they saw a bipedal canine man-thing at a train station in a county northwest of Old Ossory, uh, the, of the Old Ossory Wolfmen stomping ground. So it was nearby. It wasn't necessarily in the Old Ossory area. They said that when they tried to talk to him, he was super rude and barked out, don't talk to me at them. <laughs> Oh my god, is it me as a wolf? <laughs> Apparently. As you like, do. Just chilling at a train station. You got two teenage boys trying to get your attention. You're probably like, just go the fuck away, man. Leave me alone. I'm just waiting for my train. <laughs> this happened to be the same year that the first ever werewolf movie was released. I thought that was really cool. The silent film was simply named The Werewolf. 
but it was released in December of that year. So it's really kind of hard to tell whether maybe these kids had been inspired by the movie mm-hmm. and it went to their heads or whether the movie release just happened to be like a coincidence with the timing. I think it's probably the latter. Although I, cu- I really couldn't tell what time of year that this occurred with the kids. Cryptids fandom reports another potential sighting from 1999 in which an anonymous witness reported seeing a huge haunted looking dog with glowing red eyes that just disappeared into the night. The idea of werewolves or people being turned into wolves seems to stem from time. Oh, I wrote this word and I can't say it. It's a good word. Immemorial. I got it. Nailed it. And the earliest written account of one appeared to have occurred in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Yes. Which is an ancient epic poem and one of the oldest pieces of actual literature. Which we might be doing in a little while. Woo! After that, werewolves kind of popped up in mythology and lore everywhere. Like, seriously, it's everywhere. I was looking all over the place and it's just, everybody has werewolves. The most recognizable depictions of werewolves, however, arose out of Teutonic regions such as Germany, Poland, and Russia. But they also featured prominently in France. And there are a lot of stories of uh, people like in the 1800s claiming that they were werewolves. Yes. Doing pretty awful uh-huh. things. Yep. Uh-huh. So for these kinds of werewolves, uh, they often only transformed at night and especially during a full moon. So that's kind of like the traditional way of, or the, that Teutonic way of doing it. They could often be identified in their human form if they had a unibrow, low ears, long fingernails, or a stride that resembled that of a wolf. Like, I'm sorry, people with unibrows. That sucks, man. Or low ears. What are low ears? Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what low ears are, but now I'm just imagining Frida Kahlo as a werewolf. Oh my gosh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) And I love everything about it in my head. It's kind of (laughs) awesome. And the best part is, I don't think she would mind. She'd probably paint that. Mm-hmm. And it would be really cool. <laughs> it would be really cool. Now I'm just picturing her face on like a werewolf body. <laughs> it's just her face. <laughs> uh, the, these werewolves often had an insatiable lust for human flesh, but they could potentially be cured of their wolfishness through exorcism by calling, uh, by calling them by their Christian name three times or surgically corrected or by poisoning them with wolfsbane. So these are all pretty gross surgically correct how do you surgically correct being a werewolf first you go to the island of dr moreau and then he does vivisection on you repeatedly uh nope nope mm -mm. i'm cured but none of this really resembled the wolfmen of ireland like it just really wasn't so i think that the emerald isle created some truly unique werewolf lore uh it's honestly unknown how much of it maybe based in fact like if any of this is based in fact if Lynock was ever truly a king or a prince uh, there may have been an entire clan who behaved as wolves howled as wolves were ruthless fighters and cruel conquerors but we really don't know even though there haven't been many sightings throughout Ireland the idea of the wolfmen appears to live on and the popularity and fascination with werewolves themselves has never really waned and probably never will we see it I mean it pops up in movies and books and stuff all the time it's Everybody loves a werewolf story. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. I'm going to read you now my ridiculous list of ingredients. So buckle up, guys, because this is a long one. Are you ready for it? Yes. Hit me. <laughs> ingredients for this dish were sourced from a chapter of Patrick Weston Joyce's 1911 book entitled The Wonders of Ireland, accessed on libraryireland.com. A chapter from Geraldus Cambrensis's 1188 book, Topographia Hibernica or Topography of Ireland, as translated by Thomas Forrester and accessed on yorku.ca. Two pages from Emerald Isle, one a page called The Manwolves of Ossery, and the other a page called The Fall of Crom Cruach. An article by Menji Sue on Medievalist.com called St. Patrick and the Ossery Werewolves. Two 2011 entries on werewolves.com, one entitled Werewolves of Ossery and the other Legendary Irish Wolf Warriors. A cryptidsfandom.com page on the Tipperary Wolfmen. An entry on... Whoa, it's Irish. It's Gaelic. Sterna Ern called Fuela, Werewolves of Ireland. A 2018 Folklore Thursday article about Scottish and Irish werewolves by Amanda Bergloff. And a translated version of The King's Mirror translated by Lawrence Marcellus Larson and accessed on gutenberg.org. <sighs> I got through it. 
Yay. It's a list. It's a list. I just thought of something. Well, you know how, like, some of the clans would, like, paint themselves and, like, war paint and stuff whenever they would, like, fight one another? Mm -hmm. What if this clan, if you will, dressed themselves in the skins of wolves? And so then people thought they were wolfmen. I mean, that's entirely possible. And if they, and it would make sense. A lot of um, ancient Celtic tribes would have a, a, a like a, almost like a spirit animal mm-hmm. that they would, that would be kind of the main god maybe that they worshipped, mm-hmm. that they felt protected. There are people like, I know there was one in, in England that was all about bears. Mm-hmm. So they had bear prints on everything and, and that was what they worshipped. So it would make sense that if, you were wearing wolf pelts. You probably were out there howling like wolves. You were <laughs> invoking the wolf when you went to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just one thought I had because I was like, it could be kind of a skinwalker type thing, only not going to like the skinwalker extreme mm-hmm. where you're just wearing the pelt of the wolf and embodying its properties. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You've done some research on werewolves, Lindsay, right? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. What did what did you think of these werewolves compared to what you know of werewolves? I thought it was very interesting how it was like a hereditary type thing where it just passes down instead of like, you know, your more traditional werewolves where, you know, you're turned because you're bitten um, by another werewolf or um, you know, like the seven years thing was a little interesting. Mm-hmm. I find it funny how the number seven is like associated with this. Well, I mean, it's a holy number. If you think that they're mm-hmm. cursed by a saint, that's a holy number. Mm-hmm. Once they've reached that holiness. Yep. Couldn't have been three years. Three years yeah. is too easy. So we had to mm-hmm. go to the next holy number up. Seven. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's how that happened. Yep. Yep. You got to round it up. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of the werewolves in the vampire diaries. I think I know that. Yeah, so the the deal with the the werewolves in the vampire diaries is it is hereditary, like they have something that they actually call the werewolf gene. Mm-hmm. And someone who has that gene is typically like they have a harder time controlling their temper like their entire life and never really know why. But in order to activate your curse like fully, you have to kill someone. So if one day, you know, you go overboard or even if you do it by accident, if you cause someone's death, like even inadvertently, now you're a werewolf. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. How is it? How is it in Underworld Evolution? Um, they were all like men. It's transferred by bites yeah. still in Underworld. It? Okay. Yeah. It's definitely still transferred by bites. Um. I think they kind of talk about it, and it's been such a long time since I've watched the Underworld mm-hmm. movies now that I, like, hope people will forgive me if I get this wrong, but I feel like they almost talk about it like an illness. Yeah, like, like it's, it's in the blood Like or it's something. like yeah. canthropy, it's something that's in your blood, and yep. it's transmitted by biting still. It's not yeah. hereditary. Yeah, because Lucian was the first van- uh, first werewolf in that world. And yeah, it was transferred by a bite. So it was like lycanthropy. Yeah, so it was something where it was transferred by bite. Because the one human guy that she was, she was like, oh, Michael, I like you. I kind of like you, Michael. He got bit. And then he got bit by a vampire. And then he became that and cool hybrid thing. And then he was a thing. hybrid. Wait, wasn't it... I can't remember Bill, the name of Bill Nye's character, but wasn't it like his son? Because he was the big white, like original werewolf. Wasn't he? He was like the psycho werewolf. I don't know. It's I been can't way. Remember. It's just been way too long for me. I remember Lucian, but there were a lot of those movies. So it's also possible <laughs> that they did one where they retconned it and were like, Lucian wasn't the first one. There was like a different guy. And I mm-hmm. probably didn't see it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I did the first three, and then I was like, okay, I'm done now. There were more than three? Yeah. I know there was one for sure where they went deeper into the vampire Deeper into the werewolf thing. Mm-hmm. And one that was deeper into the, the um, werewolf one. But yeah, I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. 
I know there was like a Romeo Juliet thing going on in Underworld. Mm-hmm. Yes, where there was, was like, a, there was a werewolf who was in love with a vampire, and then she got she was basically burned alive. They chained her she down. She was um, Bill Nye's daughter. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of when he was like. I hate all werewolves now because I had to kill my daughter as a result because she went against her own people, basically. Mm-hmm. You made your own choice, bitch. You don't get to blame other people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You brought this on yourself. And then he, like, moonwalks out of there. <laughs> but I do like Bill Nye. I, I do, do too. too. Because he swears a lot <laughs> and it makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I just love him in, in everything he's in. He's just uh-huh. always so funny. Okay, so if you had to choose between werewolf or vampire, what would you be? Ugh, fuck. Werewolf. Why? Because you wouldn't have to be in the werewolf form 24-7. Like, once you're a vampire, you, your life completely changes. You know, you have, to, you have to be in the dark. You can't go in the sun. You have to just drink blood. As a werewolf, you can still pretty much be a person, but you just change into this thing in the traditional sense, only on the full moon. So. I'd have to agree. I think I'd be a werewolf. All right. I'm going to be that asshole. I'd be a vampire. And I'm basing this mostly after watching all of the U.S. version of being human. I don't want to be a werewolf. Transformation, first of all, looks agonizingly painful. Mm. I I don't want to be doing that every time there's a full moon. Like, that's just not kosher. Um, yeah, no, I would, I'd be a vampire, but I'm already pasty. So it's like, it's a half step away from where I'm already at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you'd go through a lot of clothes if you weren't prepared for the transformation. Like I can't afford replacing all these freaking clothes. Or you'd have to just sit around butt ass naked for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Waking up naked, covered in bits of dead stuff, like in the woods doesn't appeal to me. at all i'd want to be a werewolf like from um what is it in the shadows is that mm-hmm. yeah i'm aware i'm a werewolf not a swearwolf what, what we, we do, do in the, sh- the shadows, in the shadows. Yeah. yeah i'm a werewolf not a swearwolf <laughs> i see that just means i definitely need to be a vampire <laughs> <laughs> you can swear on my behalf i am a swearwolf thank you sir <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to my story about Irish werewolves. I liked it. Do we want to do something good? Do we have anything good to share? I do. What do you have going on? So I just got the email right before we started recording this episode that my other podcast, Yield Crime, is going to be the July podcast of the month on the Oracle Network. Hey, that's exciting. Very excited for that. congratulations thank you yeah congrats that's really cool yeah so that's what you get for busting your ass all the time i do so yeah that's a good thing short and sweet (laughs) a round of applause (laughs) (laughs) that is that is awesome that'll certainly help with the listenership too i'm sure i think so yeah what about you ash you have anything probably (laughs) she's like fuck you called on me probably not (laughs) uh you do in my episode request. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, um, I did do Lindsay's episode request, although it became two episodes because part one. Okay, so first of all, I lied a whole bunch of times. <laughs> Lindsay requested for me on my other show, Studying Scarlet, to do basically the fall of the Romanovs. Or, you know, the execution of the Romanovs, if you'd prefer to concentrate on the murder part of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, okay, I could totally do that. And I did the research. The research went really fast, actually, because I'm really interested in weird royalty shit. There's always so much weird <laughs> stuff yeah. happening with the, happening with aristocrats. And it's always the weirdest stuff imaginable. Yep. But... I first I was like I can do this in one episode. And then I was like I I can do this in two episodes, but they're going to be like 90 minutes a piece, which if you listen to our show, I realize you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of short for you guys." 
if you don't listen to our show, you're like, 90 fucking minutes? What are you talking about for 90 minutes? Mm-hmm. But I lied when I was like, I can totally keep this to 90 minutes. So I think part one came in at an hour and 55 minutes. Oh, wow. And part two, I think I really was right around 90 minutes. Wow. I'm very excited to listen to it. So I had a really hard time not bursting into laughter when I was describing how hard it was for them to murder Rasputin. Some people are really (laughs) bad at killing other people. And it's not like if you're the one getting murdered, I realize it's not funny because like you usually die a horrible (laughs) death and it's really drawn out. But if you're just reading about this, like, you know, over 100 years later, it's kind of funny. It's extremely comical, like how hard it was for them for him to die. Like how like how many times people had to like do different things to try to kill him. You should not still be working on this. He should be dead already. (laughs) You're doing it wrong. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So I think the episodes are really good. I'm gonna go ahead and say I already am sure the best line that's gonna come out of either one of them is when I randomly said with a name like Rasputin, you know it's foul. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a lot of fun, and I hope Lindsay enjoys them because I put a lot of uh, a lot of work into getting it right for you. So I hope Yay. it's good. Fucked up some Russian names, though. (laughs) But not Polish. You skipped right over those. I had to. They were so hard. (laughs) They were just place names. So I feel like it's okay to skip the name of the city if it's not super important to the story and you definitely can't say it. Yep. I would have to agree. Yeah. If it's like a very minimal aspect of the story, then yeah, I think it's fine. They were just in a hunting lodge in the woods in Poland, and that's the best I can do, and I'm really sorry, Poland. Uh, (laughs) I've seen a lot of photos. Your country's really beautiful, and I'm sure that your language is really beautiful if someone understands the sounds that that letter combinations are supposed to make, but I just can't do it. I I look at Polish words, and my brain just immediately panics because there are no vowels. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Poland. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure they look at our words and they're like, what is that? That's because English is stupid. English yeah. is dumb, but I love it. English is so dumb. Yeah. So something good. Oh, I have something good. Um, I had some friends visit this weekend, which I was really excited about. Some of my friends uh, from grad school, so down at University Park came up to visit for the weekend and it was cool. I got to show them some of my favorite places in Erie and they spent some time with the kids and they even met my parents. Like it was that kind of a friendship and it was just a really good time. We had a great weekend and it's nice to get to see people again. It is nice to see people again. Mm -hmm. Everybody's all vaccinated. So we're like, it's cool. Let's go have some fun. That's awesome. That is really nice. I was happy about it. So uh, before we head out, I'd like to read a review from a very satisfied patron. This is coming from Kudzu Killers Pod. Love these ladies. Their giggles are contagious and they tell great stories. So happy to have found this podcast. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thanks, Kim. Thank you, Kim. <laughs> You're Thank so you. nice. Love you. <laughs> well, I think it's about time to close up the restaurant for the night. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a wolfy slice of Irish cryptids. Yes. yes. I was going to say furry, <laughs> but I think your version sounds better. <laughs> I didn't want to go with fur. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Sweet and cheesy. Not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, Check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice. Because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. 
Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAPP Pizza Pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineappappizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.